0: You're listening to the Patriot Nation podcast.
1: All right, welcome into the Patriot Nation podcast. As always, it's your boy Pat Lane here with my guy Matt Saint Jean. As always, Matt, it's a special kind of episode because uh, when this episode airs, I will be gallivanting across Europe somewhere, um, and so we are doing what we typically don't do, which is recording uh, separately and then releasing simply as a podcast and not going live. It's a little different feel today, um, but uh, but we hope you guys all enjoy this one. And we had to come with some wasn't breaking news. There's not a lot of stuff going on right now. So we thought, what could we do? And we said, you know what? We're going to make some arguments for Patriots players that should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I'm very excited about it, man. I don't know about you, but I am extremely excited about this episode.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to have some fun with it. And I think, I don't know, the, the guys we have for this, it's a variety of guys who might be locks. And we're just really making the case for them. And we got some guys who almost definitely won't be in, but we're just going to make the case for it anyway because you know we like these guys and the Patriots. I think have had a lot of really good players who haven't gotten quite the recognition they deserve around the league because when you have the greatest coach and quarterback of all time, there's not as much praise to go to the rest of the guys.
1: Hundred percent. And you know what's interesting about it is that I'm going to make a case for some older guys, and it's the exact opposite for some of those some of those older guys where the Patriots sucked. They were terrible in the early stages of their of their existence. And so those guys got overlooked because the team wasn't the the Steelers or the Cowboys or the 49ers or something like so. Players that were great players got overlooked and overshadowed by players that were on that team. And I'm gonna make a spe- specific example that's pretty difficult to refute, in my opinion. So uh I'm I'm excited to get into that as well.
0: Yeah, it should be yeah uh, should be a good one. Do you wanna do you wanna lead us off? Yeah, all right, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's
1: lead off. So first, number one on my list, uh, first on the list, any Patriots fan, any longtime Patriots fan, any person over the age of 50, let's say, maybe, maybe, maybe anyone over the age of 60 who's a Patriots fan will tell you that Gino Capoletti deserves to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Absolutely should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, and and there's multiple reasons for that. Okay, the biggest reason is that he is the all-time leading scorer in the AFL. Okay, 42 touchdowns, 176 field goals, and 342 PATs lead him to 1,130 points. Uh he would that by the way, that's in 10 years. Okay, he was one of only 20 players that were uh, active during the entirety of the league's existence, um, and. Him, George Blanda, and Jim Otto were the only players who played in every one of their games. So here's a guy who was just, he was there for all of it. Not only that, he was the leading scorer until Vinatieri broke it in 2005. At the time of his death, Gino was still the 12th all-time leading receiver in receptions with 292 catches and 10th in receiving yards with 4,589 and fifth in receiving touchdowns with 42. So you you are talking about a guy that played in the 70s. So from 1970 on, you had a bunch of receivers that could have broken those records, and he was still pretty high up on that list. So he did... I I mean, you just... He played played defensive back, for Christ's sake. (laughs) He was the second AFL player ever to record three interceptions in a regular season game. Like, it just... It's ridiculous when you look at it, right? And and so he scored 18 points or more in a game 10 times. And scored 20 points or more in a game 8 times. 20 points in one game he scored 8 times. And so, you know, set an AFL single game record by scoring 28 points in a game. 28 points in one game. Unbelievable. <laughs> like So this is the type of thing where you look at it and say, I get it. The Patriots sucked in 1960 all the way through 1970. Right? It, it wasn't great. I know that. Okay. They were a joke. They played at family park. I understand, right? Like I get it. They were all over the place. They were at BU. They were BC. They were bouncing around. I understand all of that. It was the AFL, but there are guys from the AFL that are in the pro football hall of fame. And there is no reason why the all time leading scorer in the AFL should not be there. Oh, and then by the way, he was also the commentator for the Patriots until like the year 2012.
0: So, he, you know, he was there forever. He and Gil Santos were the longest, um, longest-serving duo in NFL radio history. And right. he was on the—he was the color commentator for the Flutie Hail Mary, yeah. too. Which isn't—it's. <laughs> I mean, it's not pro football. Still. yeah. It's. I don't know. I mean, you can't. You really can't tell the story of the game, or at least you can't tell the story of the game in a very significant region of this country without talking about him. He did everything and they put people in as broadcasters too. So right. you put it all together and I, he is just, he should be in and it should have happened while he was alive too. A hundred
1: percent. And it's not, you know, obviously the accolades are great, but the time spent in the game, he yeah. spent his whole life in the game. You know, again, one of the best players in the history of the AFL, a great commentator for, for many, many years, right? 40 years or whatever he was in the booth for. So, you know, you just you look at it and just say like, man, they I, I don't understand how he's not in the Hall of Fame yet. Um, and really, they need to write that wrong because and especially now where the Patriots have gotten notoriety, right? Andre Tippett had finished his career with 100 career sacks and ended up getting the Hall of Fame, but he didn't get in the Hall of Fame right away. He got into the Hall of Fame after the Patriots got a big name and then people went back and said, wow, this Tippett guy's really good, man. He should probably be in the Hall of Fame. I don't understand how, that's, how that hasn't happened with not Capiletti yet. It just – it doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm right there with you. I mean he's just – he's a legend. And for me as somebody of the younger generation too, I always remember him as the radio guy because right. for anybody who's watched the Patriots championship DVDs, it's all the radio call on all right. of that. To so the voice of everything, it's Gil Santos and Gino Capoletti. And that's like, that's when I think of the early Tom Brady dynasty, the first three Super Bowls, his voice is what I hear in my head for all of that. So just decade, he, what, he started with the Patriots in 1960, retired as a Patriots broadcaster in 2012. It's a lot of time right. in the game. And that yep. that uh deserves, deserves some respect, I think, from Ken.
1: Agreed. Yeah. Agreed.
0: Yeah. Now, my... uh. My first guy here, somebody you mentioned in yours, and I think it's... Uh, this is a guy who's going to get in, but my argument here is he should be in kind of first ballot, no-brainer, and that's Adam Vinatieri. And, I mean, the first the first thing you have to say with him is that he is the all-time leader in points scored in the NFL. Right. And, like, that's, that's the name of the game. Like, if you're the all-time leader in... Scoring points, that alone should get you in first ballot without a doubt in my eyes, but then you add in the moments. You cannot tell the story of the greatest player to ever play the game in Tom Brady without Adam Vinatieri playing a most critical role. There have been three Super Bowl game-winning kicks, and he has two of them. Yeah. And they happened three years apart, two years apart, one and 3 Like, that's what what he did in, in that period is incredible. And he had a great career with the Patriots. And then obviously he goes to the Colts and spends even more time there. You add another all pro and pro bowl. He was all pro and pro bowl in 02, 04 and 2014. First team all pro all those years, led the NFL in field goal percentage for a number of years. He didn't have he doesn't have the leg of a guy like a Justin Tucker today. Yeah. Um, and he maybe isn't he's probably not the best kicker of all time when it comes to accuracy or anything like that, but Clutch kicks, impact to the game, and of course, touch kicks. One of the greatest kicks of all time, the kick in the snow against the Raiders. about level of difficulty and impact to what happened in the NFL. That might be... we Obviously, we talk about the tuck rule, but when it comes to like a skill play, that might be the most influential play of at least that decade for, for what that caused, him being able to get that kick through the snow to force overtime. So, it's he has to be first ballot in my eyes. There's no other way to do it. And he should be in the Patriots hall of fame too immediately once he's eligible. hundred percent.
1: And look, that's not one of the best kicks of all time. That is the single greatest kick of all time. It wasn't, you know, you can make the argument. I mean, the super bowl kick, obviously, you know, 47 or 49 or however far the super bowl kick was it's inside. It's in the dome Of course. There's tons of pressure on it. But at the end of the day, that kick, if he misses that kick, they go to overtime. In 03, and if he misses and, the, that kick, they and go to both overtime. Both of those. Correct. Both right. of
0: those are kicks you're supposed to make, you're expected to make.
1: Of course, right? Right. And again, if you miss, your team has another chance. If he misses that kick in the snow, the season's over. They're done, right? And the level of difficulty, and you said the level of difficulty, it, it's just unfathomable how difficult that kick was. And for him to hit it in that moment, It's incredible. It's incredible. And the stories of him are legendary. I always love the story of Pat McAfee talking about how he blacks out when he goes out there when it's a big kick, right? He just goes into another gear and becomes this different guy when the game is on the line, when the kicks matter most. And it's just, I don't know how, and I understand there's lots of great players. I get it. There's lots of great players, but like how is that guy not a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? And I think that that's the argument. And look, He's, I think it's fun because we can make these different types of arguments. I think everyone would agree that Adam Vinatieri belongs in the Hall of Fame. But I love the argument that he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer because he she just should be. It's freaking Adam Vinatieri. He's the greatest kicker of all time. And again, does he have the leg yeah. of Justin Tucker? No. Does he have this? Does he have that? I don't know. But it doesn't matter because every single one of those moments were so – I mean, think about – Think about that Colts Super Bowl run. Peyton Manning won one, one Super Bowl with the Colts. With the Colts, they won one of those games, fifteen to nine, on five Adam Vinatieri field goals. Like
0: yeah. they
1: just like they don't win the Super Bowl without Adam Vinatieri. Period. You know, yeah. so
0: that and longevity and reliability, like those yes. are skills here too. And he was just always around. I mean. Think about how long he lasted in the NFL. What it was, was it 94 was that his first year? 96? 96 up, is like, he was
1: a rookie. He was a rookie in the Super Bowl in 96. Yeah. yeah.
0: So he played in the Drew Bledsoe Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Going all the going back <laughs> that far. And he played until 2019 with the Colts. Which is wild. It's it's yeah, crazy. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's like a what like how many seasons is that? You're the math guy here. 96 23 seasons. 20 or 24 because 24 he to, seasons
1: because yeah yep
0: yeah so that's nearly half of the NFL's tenure when he had retired something like that like it's just it's incredible um, yeah it's foolish yeah and he was I think Hall of Fame all 2000s team he got named to that he got named to the top 100 NFL team when they did that uh so yeah and what we're while we're talking, and I don't, I don't even know if he's the greatest kicker of all time because I think you can make arguments for other guys. But if you're in that conversation, you should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I think the other guy you got to mention when we're having this conversation, and he's still playing, so we can't have the full conversation yet. But it's Matthew Slater, right? We're talking about special themes, like it's we can talk about like value to the sport or anything like that. But that's not what the Hall of Fame is about. It is, to a degree, but it's also excellence in what you do and your ability to impact the team mm-hmm. this is the guy who's basically his own player coach who created his own position he goes and practices on his own now he coaches up the younger guys in this he's an innovator in that respect and that i think is something that needs to be appreciated by the hall he's got an insane number of all pros i mean he's just he's so good at what he does that you just you, yeah. he impact every aspect of special teams um so many guys on the other team are responsible for Matthew Slater as a gunner when he's coming down to tackle you that it makes life easier for everybody else. So Bill Belichick and they called him the greatest special teamer ever. Right. He was talking and it's, I don't know if he's the greatest ever, but he is the greatest gunner ever. And right. he's so far above anybody else who's ever done it, that he should be in the hall of fame. for
1: that. Well, that's one of those things, right? Where it's like, you can look at that position and say, ah, it doesn't matter, but it clearly does. And the Patriots yeah. value it. And, he was valuable to them for for multiple years many years i would say still valuable to them but like it's funny how a guy is that valuable without actually touching the ball he doesn't yeah. never touches the ball right like so but he's still that valuable to the team so and again like you said he's an active player we're not advocating for him to be in the hall yet because we can't do that because he's still playing but when he is done playing yep. he he belongs in He belongs in and he won't be first ballot, obviously, but he belongs in the hall of fame.
0: Yeah. And that's one of those, like it's it's just just, it needs to happen. And maybe you need to have another slot for the hall of fame that's special teamers or just kind of special. I know I know they have the innovator one, I think, or they have Yes. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And I don't know if that really fits that. I know that's for coaches. So I don't know. But he should be in. And this is yeah. Vinatarian Slater, two special teams guy. Neither eligible yet because Vinatarian's been around that long. As you had to remind me this morning when we were talking about this, Vinatarian <laughs> was still around in 2019. Yeah. But uh, yeah, both of those guys should be hall of, hall of Famers.
1: Love it. Love it. All right. Next on my list, uh, I'm going old school again, going old school again with the Patriots. And I'm going with Stanley Morgan, legend. Now, Stanley Morgan uh, has the NFL record for yards per reception with 19.2 for his career. I'll repeat that again. For his career, he averaged 19.2 yards per reception, which is just simply outrageous that he averaged 19.2 yards per reception. He had maybe the most insane three-year run I have ever seen. And I will read them off to you because it's so unbelievable that you're just like, that's not possible. It's not It's not possible that he did this. In 1979, when he was selected to the All-Pro team in 19... By the way, it's funny. that two years he was selected to, to the um, All-Star game or Pro Bowl, and one of the years he was not, which is kind of funny. And it was arguably his best year, but nevertheless. So in 1979, he finished with 1,002 yards and 12 receiving touchdowns which you're like, oh, that's okay. Yeah, a 1,000 yards on, you know, 12 and 12 receptions. That's great. 12 receiving touchdowns. That's great. But here's the thing. He had a 1,002 yards receiving, not on 85 catches, not on 75 catches, not on 65. I'm going to keep going. Not on 65 catches, not on 55 catches, on 44 catches. 1,002 yards on 44 catches for an average of 22.8 yards per reception. The following year in 1980, he had 991 yards on 45 receptions. (laughs) Good for 22.0 yards per reception. And then in 1981, he had 1,029 yards on 44 receptions. Good for 23.4 yards per reception. The numbers are completely outrageous. Just completely outrageous to have over a thousand yards and have under forty-five catches is ridiculous. That's something that's you just like that's not even possible. <laughs> and so, like for him to have done that, he finished his career with five hundred and fifty-seven receptions for ten thousand seven hundred sixteen yards and seventy-two receiving touchdowns. I mean, that's outrageous. And again, 19.2 yards per reception. So here's the thing, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the thing, at the beginning of the podcast, is that he played on a bad team. And I, I get that. And I know the Patriots made the Super Bowl in 1985, and they were good in 1978. And they were good in 1976 as well, decent. though he wasn't there in 76. But they were good in 1978, but he wasn't really the player that he was in 78 yet. Um, But... You know, it's a team that no one really cared about the Patriots. They didn't make the playoffs a ton. They made the Super Bowl, of course, you know, but fine. There's another guy, though, Lynn Swan, who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, Lynn Swan, very good receiver, three-time pro bowler, one-time all-pro, right? He finished his career with 336 yards receiving for 5,462 yards and 51 touchdowns. Now, he played less years. That's undeniably true. He played less years. He had 220 less receptions. He had half, half of the receiving yards. And he also had 21 less touchdowns. And he's in the Hall of Fame when Stanley Morgan isn't in the Hall of Fame. I, it just, there is no argument that makes sense as to why he's not in the Hall of Fame. His numbers are completely ridiculous. And by the way, he continued to do that. I mean, I, I, those three years are outlandish, obviously. But, you know, he continued to do that throughout his career. In 85, he had 39 catches for 760 yards on 39 catches. Like, you know, like, that's the thing. And the next year, he had 1,491 yards, but on 84 catches, the bum. He had to to catch 84 balls to get 1,400 yards. But, like, but it's just, I mean, this is the type of stuff that we're talking about. How was that guy not in the Hall of Fame?
0: And for for a little context here, Stanley Morgan, you said it, 19.2 yards per reception for his career. The qualified leader last season in the NFL was Jalen Waddell with 18.1. Right. Here in this explosive era in the NFL. And Jalen Waddell, we all know, is a crazy explosive player. Yep. And he's not touching in like a career high year there leading the NFL. He's not touching the average number of Stanley Morgan.
1: Right. Right, and that's that's what makes it crazy is when you when you look at the totality of his career. And by the way, they played in the seven. He played in the late seventies and eighties, and I guess his last year was in nineteen ninety, but he didn't really play in nineteen ninety. So he played mostly in the eighties. There wasn't exactly high flying passing offenses in the eighties, like so. You know, for him to do it back then is is incredible.
0: Yeah, no, he's it's crazy. Like especially when you when you compare him to Lynn Swan. Yeah. yeah, it's wild to see that one is in and one isn't.
1: Right. Well, and the, and the funny thing for me is that you make that argument, and then I make the argument that Julian Edelman should be in the Hall of Fame, and people, oh, no, 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 no. And we'll, so we'll talk about that later. But, like, but you know, we make that argument, and then people are like, well, th- no, he, no, look at his numbers. He doesn't do enough. And I'm like, well, then explain this to me. Fine. You want to say that? Then put in put in Stanley Morgan instead of instead of Julian Edelman. Fine, but you can't have it both ways. You can't say not enough for that guy, but then enough for this guy. So, yep. anyways, all right, Matt, your second. My my rant
0: is over. You're <laughs> for now. <laughs> Number two for you. Uh, I'm gonna go to somebody who um, was a finalist for the Patriots Hall of Fame this year. And I'm just, I'm sticking with Adam Vinatieri on this just like super consistent, super reliable thing. It's the guy who doesn't have the big moments of Adam Vinatieri. But I'm going with Logan Mankins. And it's just, you look at the actual accolades that he racked up. Obviously, I think we remember him as a rock solid player on that offensive line for a long time. But when you look at the accolades and you realize, you know, how highly regarded he was uh, at the time. So one-time All-Pro first team, that was 2010, but also five-time second-team All-Pro, six-time Pro pro Bowler. He made the 2010s All-Decade team, played 130 games for the Patriots, if we're talking Patriots Hall of Fame, of which he's a finalist, and I think he should get that this year. And the the list of other other guys with some of those accolades in New England um, includes some good ones. Houston Antoine, John Morris, neither of those guys are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but those were greats of the AFL days. And then it's John Hanna, Matthew Slater, Tom Brady. And I don't think Logan Mankins is as good as John Hanna was, but he is close enough to being in that conversation that I think he should get in the hall one day. He was the leader uh, on the offensive line of some of the best offenses put out there in pro football history and 07 in 2010 uh, remarkably consistent in his time. Very good pass blocker and run blocker, just an absolute molar in the run game and a tone setter. And that one, one of the things I think is wild, Pat, his first team all pro came in 2010. Yeah. He only played nine games that year. He missed the start <laughs> of the year with an injury. It's like the one time he actually missed time due to injury. he the guy right. first team all pro playing half the season. That's how good he was. And that's how good those offenses were as a result of what he and those offensive linemen did. And I still think the dynasty era Patriots are underrepresented in the hall. They're probably going to be, and I don't think Mankins is going to end up getting in, but for what he did, uh, I think he deserves it. Yeah, it it is. I mean, it's fascinating
1: and I'm just, I, I'm the whole AV thing. The uh, approximate value is fascinating for, with, when you look at Pro Football Focus, uh, not Pro Football Focus, I'm sorry, uh, pro, pro Football, football reference. reference, the AV thing is interesting it, it, only because I just, I, I just find it fascinating. And you look at what Logan Mankin's AV, you know, his career AV, I think it's like a hundred and hundred and thirty-two or something stupid like that. It, like
0: it's a hundred and two, but it's uh, it's weighted. But that's a hundred and twenty-seventh since 1960. So they say he's just outside of being the top. Like 100 most impactful players of, uh, like just outside the top 125 there in NFL history. That's a that's a Hall of Fame,
1: right? Right, and that's and that's kind of the point, right? Is that yeah. it's hard to quantify an offensive lineman's you know worth because it's an offensive lineman, right? He doesn't have the counting stats, he doesn't have the measurables because you're not counting things when you're an offensive lineman, but. You can look at it and say, objectively, this guy was incredibly talented, was incredibly valuable to his team, and you know, was one of the best guards in the league during the totality of his career. Right. And I think that, you know, that speaks volumes when you look at the seven time pro bowler. When you look at, you know, how many times he was a an all pro. And again, not just not just first team all pros, but second team all pros. And the fact that he was in the all 2010s team. Shows you something as well. So, um, you know, he's a guy that's deserving, in my opinion. And I know some people don't love Mankins just because the way it ended here, but he had nothing to do with that. That's that's not on him. So let's not. go no, and you they know.
0: just because they got rid of him at the right time doesn't mean he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame.
1: Correct. Exactly. And, and I
0: think, and I think if we're talking about Logan Mankins um, being in the Hall, I think somebody else you could mention in that conversation too is Dante Scarnecchia. Yeah. Talking about coaches, it's not the it's not the Bill Belichick dynasty, it's not the Tom Brady dynasty, it's the Dante Scarnecchia dynasty, really yeah, with the exception of 2014, and that was still still his guys, and then he came back, right. So um he had a tremendous impact, and the Brady is not who Brady is without an offensive line that consistently protected him for as long as it did, and that means you either got to put some of those offensive linemen in the hall, or you got to put his coach in the hall,
1: right. Well, and that's, you know, to me, the only thing that you need to know about Scar, right, the only thing that you need to know about Scar is that he started with the Patriots in 1982 and he left for one year to coach in Indianapolis, Mm -hmm. but he started with the Patriots in 1982 and finished with the Patriots in 2019. I'm pretty sure there were a few coaches between 1982 and 2019. So the fact that he was able to survive all of those coaches coming in just shows you how good he really was, right? And so I think that that to me, you know, it kind of shows you like, hey, this guy, not only was he someone's guy, it's not like he came over a Belichick or he was one of Parcells' guys. No, no, no. he's He was around a long time, survived a ton of coaches, and they all just get – man, this guy's really good. <laughs> it's just, this guy needs to be a coach here, right? And so, um, you know, and he was here forever. So um, yeah. I agree. I, I like that one.
0: Yeah, and coming coming back to to Mankin's, just uh, a couple quotes here. Belichick described him as the greatest guard he ever coached, said, I haven't coached a tougher, more consistent player than Logan. He was a day one starter who could play every position on the line and it never changed when I think of foundational players of the past two decades who are at their absolute best every day in every way, Logan Mankins quickly comes to mind. My God, what a freaking just, quote by Belichick. Just, just let Belichick pick the guys <laughs> for the Hall of Fame. That's, that's what I think we should do. <laughs> my God, what a quote. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's
1: enough. That's enough for me. I don't need to hear anything else. That's enough for me. Um, wow. Okay. All right, All right my you? third, my, uh, my, my guy number three, who – as crazy as it sounds, I might be the most passionate about this guy. Um, and that is Rodney Harrison, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Rodney Harrison. There are two, there are two members of a very elite club. That is a 30, 30 club. There are two members. One of them is Ray Lewis. And one of them is Rodney Harrison. Now let me explain the 30, 30 club, the 30, 30 club is 30 sacks and 30 interceptions. And you might say, well, well, Ed Reed was, yeah, no, Ed Reed had a lot of interceptions. He finished his career with like 20 sacks. Again, not, nothing to sneeze at, but that's not Rodney Harrison finished with 30 and a half career sacks. Finished his career with 34 interceptions, 30 and a half sacks, 15 forced fumbles. So when you talk about game-changing players, and really, in my opinion, it's one of those things where the attitude changed. Loyal Molloy was here at the Patriots everyone loved lawyer Malloy everyone loved lawyer Malloy he was one of the, he was their key strong safety he was the guy Rodney Harrison came in and they just flat out cut lawyer <laughs> Molloy because it wasn't working they're like nah Rodney's better we're good don't he, worry about it lawyer
0: a, he was a captain yeah like, before he ever played a snap in New England
1: yes immediately and yeah. the the change at this Team. I'm sorry, those O three, O four Patriots teams. I don't care. Take whoever you want. Give me a give me a team. I don't care what team. Give me any team, all time. And that 04 Patriots team will smoke them. That 04 Patriots team was outrageous. Outrageous. And by the way, in 03, Rodney Harrison had four interceptions in the playoffs. And one of my favorite Rodney Harrison stories of all time. In 03, they're playing, was it 03 or 04? Was it 04 that they played in Pittsburgh or 03? I'm trying to remember. Um
0: four on Halloween. Oh four, right?
1: In, no, 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 no. In the AFC Championship game. Uh four. That was also still O4. That was 04, right? Okay. Yeah. So 04, they're 15 and one. Still is a 15 and one. And all week long. All week long. Rod uh Roethlisberger's a rookie. And all week long they say to Roethlisberger, listen to me, do not throw the ball. To 37, do not do it. Don't do it. If you throw the ball, he's going to make it look like the guy's open, and then he's going to intercept you and t- return it for a touchdown. Do not throw the ball near 37. No, 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 I got it totally. No, you got it, yeah, hundred percent. Yep, got it. What does he do? Throws the ball at 37. Rodney Harrison picks it off and returns it 87 yards for a touchdown, and the Patriots never looked back. Right, and it, and you know, they blew him out like 38 to three or something stupid like that. But that 04 team was. Absolutely outrageous. That 04 team, they played they played the Colts in the first game, who were the number one scoring offense in the league. And I believe held them to I think held them to three points. Um they hold them to three points. I think they did hold them to three points. Um but anyways, they held they held yes, they held uh the Colts, yeah, 20 to 3. And then they played
0: three. 41-27 41-27 in Pittsburgh.
1: <laughs> yes, and then they played Pittsburgh who had the number one defense in the league and hung 41 on them. So six
0: of those came from Rodney Harrison.
1: That's correct. And so that 0-4 team was just was outrageous. And again, one back-to-back time. years, they lost two, year, two games total. They lost two games yeah. both years in back-to-back years.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite moments of that early Patriots dynasty is Rodney Harrison's pick six in Pittsburgh in the AFC yeah. Championship. Oh, so good. Because it is just... Silent, you got what Mike Frable blocking Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> to the turf and Rodney walking into the end zone. Oh, that's it, so good. You could hear a pin drop, and like the Steelers the game kind of ended up being a blowout, but the Steelers, you know, made an effort at some point, yeah. and every time they just stepped on mm-hmm. the throat. And that mm-hmm. was the one that was like, All right, this is it,
1: they were in it. Well, the thing is, except at that point, it was the end of the second quarter, it was 17 to three Patriots, but. Again, yeah, Pittsburgh's driving. They're driving down the field. They, if they score a touchdown and make it 17 10, all of a sudden it's a game. Yeah. And yeah. Rodney 24-3. picks it off, returns <laughs> it back 24 3, and the game's over. You know, and it was yeah. just like, come on, man. So ends it for him. Yeah. Yep. So, so that was the yeah. one for me. And Rodney just, I mean, when you lead with that, to me, when, when you stop and you think about it and you look at, there's a reason why there's only two guys that have ever had 30 career sacks and 30 career interceptions. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's because it's incredibly hard to do, to be in to be everywhere, to be in two places at once and be able to cover as well as he can cover and also rush the quarterback as well as rush the quarterback is unheard of. And so the fact that he was able to do that and look, I understand. I know people hated him. I get it. I know people hated him. He wasn't dirty. He played to the whistle. He was never trying to hurt anyone. He played to the yeah. whistle.
0: Eh, I, I, he may have tried to hurt some people in there, but you know what? Well. It's fo- if this was football in the late 90s and early 2000s. Like that, that's a good point. That is a good it point. Was part of the, it was part of the game then. That was the end of it being part of the game, right. but it was.
1: Well, and this is, this is my point, right? And, and I think the biggest thing for me is the guy that I look at who played before Rodney hmm. was Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott's considered the greatest safety, you know, one of the greatest safeties of all time. Now, Ronnie Lott finished his career with 63 interceptions. So, like, he's got, you know, almost double the interceptions that that Rodney had. I get that. Okay. He only finished his career with eight and a half sacks, which is one of the reasons why he's not, why he's not on the 30-30 list, right? 60 interceptions is outrageous. But Ronnie Lott played a lot like Rodney Harrison did. Rodney Harrison modeled his game after Ronnie Lott. Rodney got called a cheap player. Ronnie Lott never got never called never got called a cheap player because he played in a different era of football. the The game of football changed around Rodney Harrison. If he had played ten years earlier, he'd be in the Hall of Fame right now. But because he played in the era that he played in, oh, he was cheap and he was dirty and he was this and he was that and blah blah, blah and all that other crap, and people hated him, and so he's not in the Hall of Fame. And so, to me, that's an injustice. That's just a, that's unfortunately. He played in an era that didn't appreciate what he brought to the table, and that's why he's not in the hall of fame. That's a shame.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a dominant player at his peak, and I just those o three o four Patriots defenses. He was so instrumental in that. And there's a, I mean, you know, I've, I hate to, I hate to reopen a wound here, but there's a world where he knocks a football off a helmet, and oh we're talking about that differently too. And it's, it's, it's frustrating because. To the casual fan, Rodney Harrison's legacy is going to be the guy who's the the other guy in the helmet catch photo, yeah. The guy on NBC, or the guy who was always suspended or getting fined for hits, because gets a different generation now, and you know you're not gonna, they're not gonna play those highlight packages of all his hits on ESPN anymore. Not at this point right uh and people aren't getting they're not gonna throw out an nfl network you're not the younger fans aren't gonna see that but the impact that it had in the game at that point is incredible and being him being a captain on that team right away i think <laughs> tells you just about yeah. everything you need to know when you consider the voices in the room right and yeah yeah he's, he should be in the hall.
1: agreed agreed
0: yeah. all right you're up number three yeah
1: Hey there, Pats fans in Massachusetts and Connecticut. DraftKings has upgraded their signup offer for a limited time. If you're a new user, you can now receive $200 in bonus bets by following just three three easy steps. You're going to create an account. You're going to deposit some money in that account. And you're going to make a $5 wager on any sport that you want. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you're going to get $200 in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code PATSNATION. That's one word, PATSNATION, when you sign up. The best part is when you use that code PATSNATION, not only do you get the bonus, but it also supports our podcast, which we really appreciate. If you're considering signing up for DraftKings, definitely use our code PATSNATION. Again, that's PATSNATION, one word to maximize your first bets. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and over and physically present in Massachusetts and Connecticut. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-327-5050 Massachusetts or 888-789-7777 in Connecticut. Check out the episode description for the full terms of the offer.
0: Uh, So I'm going with uh, somebody um – who's I I can't tell if this guy is still a sore spot with Patriot fans or not. Uh, I think, I think we're fading out of it. <laughs> that's Wes Welker. And Wes Welker does not have the overall volume stats. and I mean, there's the injuries and all that. And, and that's going to be his issue getting into the hall because for as good of a player as he was, it was kind of a short lived peak and, um, you know, I mean, we also have his career ended with his inability to stay on the field and the concussion and cushions and, and all that stuff. And in New England, he immediately got he, he got the the drop in the Super Bowl, and then the cool new toy who comes in in Julian Edelman, and mm-hmm. you, you kind of leave on a bad note there. But when you look back at what he did first, I, I want to look at uh, he, had, he was a five time Pro Bowler. Which somehow doesn't include 2007, which is absolutely <laughs> insane to me. Uh, Two time first team All Pro, 2009 at 2011. He had five seasons of at least 1,100 yards, five seasons of at least 110 catches. And he also added, and he was a really good punt returner on top of that for talking about his value. But the kind of the thing that I've been saying throughout this whole thing is can you tell the story of the game without this guy? You can't tell the story of the modern NFL offense without Wes Walker being at the centerpiece of it. Because what the Patriots did in 2007, using him in the slot, basically Bill Belichick talks about they got him from Miami because they couldn't cover him. And then they found ways to put him in spots where it's going to be a linebacker on the other team or your your third or fourth best corner, who at that point was a guy who was barely on the roster for some of these teams, having to cover him or safeties or whatever. And he abused them. And through that 07 offense, Because, like, obviously Brady to Moss is the highlight. And that's the crazy stuff. But the underlying theme was what Welker was able to do in the slot set the tone for what we have seen in the NFL today. And um, it was just incredible at it. And you go to that 2010 offense. And that 2010 offense is not what it was um, without his ability after the catch, his ability to get open. Uh, 08, having the offense only was what it was with Matt Castle because of, obviously, Welker and Moss. But uh, Welker was a significant part of that. 09, Welker was fantastic. And, and really, if it's not for that drop in the Super Bowl. I think his career in New England obviously gets talked about a lot differently. But just, just an incredible football player who defined the turning point from the two tight end, two receiver, under center NFL to the spread it out. You're always going to have three receivers on the field. Defenses the always have to have three corners. Like it's because of him, defense has always had to have three corners who are good enough to cover receivers. He changed the way rosters were built, and obviously, it's the the uh, the opposite when it comes to an athlete. But the guy who you think about when you when you say that is Shaq. because when it, when Shack was out there, you had, you had to have extra bodies who could handle what he was going to bring in. Right. And Welker, in some ways, was that for the cornerback room for defenses. You had to have somebody who could cover in the slot for a full game. And there weren't enough bodies to do that in the NFL until the last five years.
1: Yeah. And the thing about him, right, is that and we talk about Edelman and I mentioned Edelman, um, but like he he did it at a higher volume than what Edelman did. Edelman did a very similar thing. Welker, number one, was first, as you mentioned, but also did it at a significantly higher volume. I mean, to have five out of six years where you catch over 110 balls, all five of those six years is crazy. And in 2010, the only reason he didn't catch 100 balls is because he had torn his ACL on the last game of the season in 2009 and came back to start the 2010 year, so clearly wasn't healthy, but fought through it anyways.
0: And I, I do believe in that '09 9 game where he tore his ACL. If I'm remembering correctly, the guy he was trying to avoid when he tore his ACL was Bernard Pollard.
1: I believe so. Yep. It's, yes, because that's the curse of Bernard Pollard, where yeah. then in 2011, he hurts Kronk's ankle. Then '08 8 he takes out Brady's knee as a whole. Yeah, like Bernard he was Pollard.
0: The, he was the last player to tackle Aaron Hernandez in an NFL game.
1: <laughs> Screw you, Bernard Pollard. <laughs> yeah. We don't like you. Uh, I'm sure he's a fine individual, but as a football player, we don't like you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and it's just Welker did insane stuff. And he was I mean, he was a part of that 2013 Broncos offense, which was also right. fantastic. And in 2014, he was there in Denver and very productive. And he basically had a six year peak from oh seven to twenty twelve, where he was in that peak, he was the best slot receiver of yeah. all time.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's and and like you said, he created a new position. That position yeah. didn't really exist. You were, if you were a wide receiver, you were an outside wide receiver, or you were a gadget guy. And yeah, the Patriots be, you invented don't play that snaps a game. Exactly, the Patriots yeah. invented that position, and they did it because they had the best slot receiver ever, and they were like, "Well, nobody can stop this guy,
0: so yeah. let's just go out there and throw him out there, and good luck," you know? Yeah. And the other thing too is, I mean that. Back in 07, you know, they still had the fullback and they're still going under center. They're still doing some of the two receiver stuff. Even when they had Welker lined up out wide, he was still so fast that you couldn't cover him. He was still so quick you couldn't cover him. He would get open on that stuff. Uh, And it helps when Randy Moss is the other receiver out there. (laughs) But Welker was just unbelievably high volume. And um, for all the injuries he had later in his career in New England, incredibly durable. Yes. For a guy who was that size, playing in the middle of the field with linebackers like they had back then, like right. he played in the era of Ray Lewis, yeah, over the middle at his size and stayed on the field as much as he did, which is incredible. So, yeah, you can't. He was the he was the best player at his position at the time, bar Correct. none. If we're and, defining slot receiver as its own position, and you can't tell the story of the modern NFL game without him, those hundred percent, he should be a Hall of Famer.
1: I agree. I agree. And, and by the way, now he's also now a coach, right now he's a, he's a wide receivers coach. And so, you know, was a very good coach in San Francisco and has gotten glowing reviews uh, in Miami as well. So So plenty um, more
0: time for him to make more impact on the game.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We're going to do our last guys. My last guy is, uh, one of my favorite players of all time. Arguably my favorite Patriot of all time, which sounds crazy to say, but but it, he arguably not is. Tom Brady? It is not Tom Brady. Wow. It is my Go guy, ahead. Vince Wilfork.
0: Oh, Just yeah.
1: an absolute monster in the middle for the Patriots.
0: Mr. Just Big a, Y himself.
1: Did you Mr. Big Y himself. <laughs> a, an absolutely special player. A player that has incredible feet. For a guy his size to play with the speed that he plays with, and the footwork that he plays with is just is pretty special. Um, you know, obviously two-time Super Bowl champion drafted in 04, was a Super Bowl champion then, and obviously in 49 as well, at 49 as well. First team all pro one year and a three-time second team all pro and a five-time pro war. Arguably the best nose tackle ever. Um, I, I just he's just that guy, man, that he allowed the Patriots defense to do what they did, right? That is it. what they needed was a big nose tackle. They drafted him. He was incredible in Miami and he was fantastic with the Patriots for a long time. For many years, he has since been passed. Unfortunately for many years, he had more career interceptions than Jamal Adams. So like, you know, he has three career interceptions, which as a nose tackle is outrageous, but it shows you the type of athletic ability that he had, even as a guy who, you know, was six two three twenty five, 325, and that's what it says, but come on. I mean, we all know he never played at 325. So, you know, he was just, he was awesome. And I remember in 2011, when they played the Ravens in the AFC Championship game, he was the best player on the field. The mm-hmm. best player on the field. He was chucking guys left and right. He was incredible. And so, and that, you know, He, he was just that guy and he could have done that in every game. And he didn't do that because that wasn't his job. It wasn't his job to destroy the guy in front of him, toss him to the side and go get the quarterback. That wasn't his job. His job was to control the middle, take on three blockers, not allow anyone to cut, you know, get through the middle and let his linebackers go make plays. Right. And he did that extremely well. And so his statistics suffered because of that. But if you know football and you pay attention to what's going on, you don't need to see the statistics. You don't need to see the numbers. You just need to have seen him play football to know he was a special athlete and one of the best nose tackles of all time. And so, again, will he make it? I don't know if he will or not. He doesn't have the Richard Seymour counting numbers, right? Seymour's got the counting numbers. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have that. That's
0: what they like for the Hall of Fame. But you don't see a lot of nose tackles in there. Right. And I think that's the kind of the common theme across a couple of the guys you've mentioned. And we talk about the Belichick era guys. It's Wilfork, who is essentially in some ways a role player for being a nose tackle and what he was asked to do. He did a lot of things, but he's playing a a specific role that you might not see on other teams. Slater, Vinatieri, Wes Welker. We're talking about guys who are the absolute best at their roles and put into positions to succeed by the coaches being undervalued because people don't think those roles are that valuable or because they are saying it's all on bill and he's the one that deserves it. And it's like, no, like Vince Wilfork was an animal, right? He was a beast. He did so much on the defensive line and like, it's the game's one on the trenches,
1: right? Right. And it's, and it's hard to quantify because again, he gave up so many of those counting stats for the way they wanted to play. Not every defense plays that way, but Belichick played that way. He doesn't necessarily play that way anymore. He does to an extent, but back then he, he, his job was not go get the quarterback. His job was clog up the middle and allow everyone else to make a play. And every now and again, they're going to single team you. You're going to throw that guy to the side and make a tackle the
0: backfield, you know, and that's what happened.
1: So, all right, let's get to your uh, your last guy as well.
0: Yeah, I'll wrap it up. This is a guy who really I don't think has an actual chance at the Hall of Fame, unfortunately, because I think he was horrendously undervalued during his career by the press and it didn't come around for him until it was kind of too late. Uh, and he's it's too early. We've got to wait five years on this guy. But it's Devin McCourty. Patriots have routinely had elite defenses in the last – 12 years since he came into the league when he got drafted in 2010 Patriots did not have good defenses. They were known for at that point have really having some issues in the corner room, especially, you know, after Rodney Harrison and after Ty law and some of those guys left, they never fa- quite found the replacements. They thought they were going to and enter Devin McCourty at corner for his first what, two years there where he makes all pro as a rookie at corner and I think leads the league in interceptions or whatever. I don't think he didn't lead the league, but he was close in interceptions. He had seven as a rookie and then he switches to safety and, and he, he, people kind of stopped talking about him at that point. And he got lost in the noise that is the safety position. And because of that, he only has what, two pro bowls. He has two all pro second teams at safety. Plus he had an all pro second team at corner as a rookie. And then you look after that, that the one all pro second team in 2016, never, never made it back after that, despite playing every game, racking up interceptions from his free safety spot. And I think most importantly, being the cog that made those defenses work. If you look at how many years they played all of those single high safety things, you know, know I watched earlier today, Pat, Watched the, the highlights of that Patriots-Jets game in 2019. Like the Seeing go Sam Darnold game. And all of those picks are these cover zero or cover one blitz looks. They're going to get everybody on the line of scrimmage, and there's going to blitz. The only way you can make that work is if you have guys in the secondary who can be erasers and just cover up any mistakes that happen, and you can execute assignments really, really well at a high level. It's the only yeah. way you can take those risks. They did it for full seasons at a time because McCourty was that on the back end. Fast and instinctive enough to break passes up and get interceptions. he come down to the hole and do run defense, He could cover and man coverage. He did everything you wanted a safety to do. Um, and he just wasn't quite as flashy as some of the other guys. And his peak came in some ways a little bit later than it did for other guys. He didn't get the media recognition. Um, but he was an outstanding player. And you can go back to 2014. He's a key, key part of the defense that year because obviously you get Revis and that's going to be the headline, but they'd put Revis on the number two receiver and put Browner and McCordy on the number one and it worked all year long. McCordy was a huge part of that. Uh, so yeah, he's, he might be my favorite non Tom Brady Patriot. I think he's horrendously underrated around the NFL. He is remarkably consistent, great captain, a great teammate, a leader on and off the field and um. Uh, and with how good the Patriots defenses have been for the last decade, I think you got to put somebody in. And he, I think he was consistently the best player for yeah. the length of it.
1: Well, and I think the other part of it, too, is that he kind of falls into the category of, of Will Fork where he sacrificed some of those counting stats to play the position that he played, right? He played that middle, deep safety. Well, that meant that he wasn't in on all those passing plays. Sometimes he's just way the hell back, but he's setting everything up. He's a leader on the field. He knows where everyone's got to play. He's like another, like a second coach on the field. And a lot of times he's getting there and making a tackle. If someone else doesn't make a play on the ball, or if something else gets screwed up or if a QB hangs one up there, he's there, or he's just there to prevent that big throw from happening so that something else has to happen. Right. And so he gave up some of those, Counting, I mean he still finished his career with 35 interceptions, but he gave up some of those counting stats so that the defense could be better.
0: And he, he was, was also, yeah, go. He finished no, game.
1: no, no, go, go, go.
0: he was also so good at his job. Like this is the yeah, this is the issue with corners and safeties and stuff. Is that if you're so good at your job, you won't get picks because nobody's coming near you. And that's where right. he was kind of an eraser. He's the kind of guy you can just put him out there and he's gonna shut down half the field and Right. Yeah, quarterbacks had to go the other way. And you know? I don't think he was ever the best safety in the league. And he played in an era with some really, really, really good safety play. Like he had to go against, you know, Earl Thomas for these awards and Eric Weddle for these awards. And I think Troy Polamalu and Ed Reed at points for these awards. And Yeah. You know, that's difficult. because Those guys are very good at what they do. But you look at I don't know, and Harrison Smith, very good. But I think he was kind of the victim of being always very, very good. And every year, there's just one guy who had a random good year who would jump him for awards. Right.
1: And- well, yeah, and it's all, like you say, the consistency. I feel like for him being – he may have never been the best safety in the league at any particular year, but he was always in that conversation of the top five safeties mm-hmm. for like 10 or 12 years. And that, to me, matters. Like, the consistency Super matters. Consistent. And again well- – when you yeah. talk about the Patriots winning three Super Bowls and playing in four out of five Super Bowls, he was a key piece of that defense every single year. And so, you know, and guys come in and guys come out and they're playing, you know, one year they got Revis and Browner, and then one year they got Malcolm Butler, and one year they got this guy. And went, well, he was the key consistent part of that defense
0: mm-hmm.
1: all the way through.
0: Yeah. And they reshaped the defense a couple of times in there. And, yep. Each step along the road, he was a key part. Um, 2014 really was a coming-out year for him in a lot of ways. 2013 and 2014 were coming-out years for him as safety and what he was able to do. And then it's like the hype died down, even though he stayed as good as he was. And I think part of that is when you got 2017 with the way the defense was up and down. And in 2015, yeah. it was up and down. But I don't know. He was... The, the the defensive leader on a team that was excellent, but was overshadowed by having the greatest defensive coach there in Bill Belichick and also Brady and Gronk on the other side. And right. They're going to draw the attention and the accolades and the headlines. And, and yep. there's only so much of them to go around and McCourty should have gotten a bigger chunk of pie than he got. Agreed. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So, so that's our list. That's our list. I like it. I like our list. Um,
1: you know, just, just so just to recap my four are Gino Capoletti, Stanley Morgan, Rodney Harrison, and Vince Wilfork.
0: Mm-hmm. And then I've got uh, got Adam Vinatieri, Logan Mankins, Wes Welker, Devin McCourty, with a little love tap to uh, Dante Skarniecki, uh, and uh, who's my other one I gave a love tap Matthews to? Matthew Slater. Oh, Matthew Slater, yeah.
1: Yes. Yep. Uh, also, before we leave, in the news, uh, in the news, Fred Taylor said, and this is now we're running this, of course, you know, days later than where we're recording it. But Fred Taylor has recently said that he thinks he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Um, I I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I don't. He was never the best running back. And again, maybe you can make the argument that you're making with with uh, with McCourty, McCourty. But like, you know, he did have he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years. We had over a thousand yards rushing, which is good which yeah. is good, you know? He averaged 4.6 yards per attempt in his career. It's pretty good. It's decent. It's not amazing, but it's decent. You know, never averaged... Uh, no, so, I'm sorry. One, two, twice averaged over five. One 5.0, 5. One 5.4. Not bad. Never led the league in rushing. Never led the league in average. Never led the league in touchdowns. Only capped eight... Uh, only went over eight touchdowns twice in his career. So, like... You know, a good player. He's a good player, and there's no denying he was a good player. Um, Could catch the ball fairly effectively out of the backfield as well. But like, I just, I don't know. I, I, I like would, him as a player, but I just yeah. don't think he's the Hall of Fame.
0: I wouldn't be mad if he got in, but I don't think I would vote for him. Yeah, I'd have to see who would who was on the ballot. Um, right, got vote for just about any of the Patriots I named. Either percent here tonight over him. And it's not a slight, Fred Taylor is a very, very good player. So I saw some Corey Dillon love getting thrown around too with yeah. the Fred Taylor coming back. Uh, beast right. Corey Dillon. Well, and again,
1: you know when you talk about a guy like Corey Dillon, at, at, at the very least, Corey Dillon now led the league in rushing. Right? Like, yeah. I well actually that's not true. We didn't lead the league in rushing with the Patriots, Ooh. but but he had but. His high was 1635, which is, I think Taylor's high was like 1400. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, so they both have seven years of a thousand yards rushing, right? Which again,
0: if they're, they're about equal here for this.
1: Similar, right. Very similar. But again, you know, Dylan does have a franchise record for the Patriots, right? And I'm sure, I'm sure Fred Taylor has a franchise record for, for Jacksonville, right? So, you know, you go back and forth and take a look at it and kind of see, Oh hey, you know what happened here and what happened there, or whatever the case may be. But you know, I just think I I do. You do wonder, right? Like, is he? Um, does he? Does he deserve it? You know, and you're like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe. You know, it that it's it's hard to figure out. You know what I mean?
0: Seems like a team Hall of Fame, not pro football Hall of Fame. It kind of does.
1: It kind of does feel that way. Kind of does feel yeah, do that way, you know?
0: But, yeah. Hey, all this talk about bringing up running backs now Corey Dillon, and we were talking about Rodney Harrison earlier. I yeah. got to go back and watch that 4 Pats-Colts game in the divisional round. Man, oh, yeah. Corey Dillon's run in that game. <laughs> and you know, exactly the one I'm talking about. Yep. That was a touchdown, too. Like, that was a touchdown.
1: Yeah. He yeah. got it. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, and yeah, it, it is funny to, when you see some of the stuff like that, and you're like, man. He he was he was awesome. He was so much fun to watch, so much fun to watch. Uh, oh, and by the way, I think it was—I'm—I'm I'm trying to figure it out. I think it was Curtis Martin, or was it? Uh, or was it not Curtis Martin? It might have been someone else. It might have been. Um, no, I think it was Curtis Martin who led the league in rushing that year in 04. Um, I believe. I might be wrong about that, but I believe it was it was Curtis Martin who led the league in rushing in 2004. But nevertheless. Um, but still 1600 yards is, is, impressive. So, you know, and they're close, but again, I do think that, and I feel the same way about Dylan
0: close, good player,
1: not necessarily hall of fame worthy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh,
0: this has been a great episode of guys talking about dudes.
1: Love it. I mean, what's love better than it. guys talking about dudes. Come on, man. You know, love it. That's That's what we the, do. The, here.
0: The, yeah.
1: So it's great. Well, anyways, that's it. That's that's gonna do it for us. Uh, we will not have a show next week because, as I said, gallivanting in Europe. Um, but we will be back live the week after that because I'll be home. And I,
0: which week is that?
1: That is the week of the. What week is that? That's the week of the tenth.
0: I may not be. We'll oh see. Well, uh, so well, maybe we won't be live. Well, we'll be <laughs> fair. I'm. He's got his Europe trip. I'm moving next month. Yeah, going to be a lot on. of a lot of figuring stuff out, but yeah. And it's, if stuff happens while well, Pat is off gallivanting, I'm sure you'll be seeing me live on here reacting yes. to whatever is going on.
1: So. Yes. If say you know some tall, lanky wide receiver with <laughs> dreads gets signed by the Patriots, then there's a chance that yes, you'll be doing a live show without me. Yes. So um but uh there
0: isn't uh hopefully we don't have to do a podcast but a tall lanky corner being cut by the patriots ah, that would be unfortunate that would be very yes. unfortunate.
1: Yeah, yeah let's not even let's not even put that into the ether there no no so
0: and here put adam vinatari in the hall
1: yes put him in the hall i agree put them all in the hall jesus christ man everyone for, we
0: talked about do it
1: goodness sake gino capoletti put him in the damn hall for already would you so, anyways, all right, NFL. Uh, one,
0: one last thing before we go. Yes. This week, I'm going to give a birthday shout out to my dad, who I'm sure is going to love the Gino Capoletti and Stanley Morgan talk.
1: Love it. Love it. Happy birthday, Mr. St. Jean. My mom's birthday is today. Matter of fact, as we're recording it, well, it, the, today's June 26th, just a little peek behind mm-hmm. the curtain. Uh, and my birthday is this week as well. How about that? not that one I in your A lot know.
0: of happy birthdays this week. If, if you haven't wished me
1: happy birthday on Twitter, go do that right now. <laughs> I'll be checking my Twitter to make sure you've, you've wished me happy birthday a few days after my birthday. So anyways, thanks guys. We appreciate it. And, uh, and we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you soon.